This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Andrew Peterson talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me pretty much as always is Dave. Dave? Just pretty much. Just pretty much. At this point. You know. Okay. You know, it depends on, you know, what kind of drama is going on between us. Um, we have drama. We have. I don't know. We're going to Minneapolis. So, oh gosh. Yeah. We'll be in Minneapolis when this airs. I know. This is going to be painful. But I'll tell you this it's better than last year. Actually, I had a that's great time last year because my flights got canceled two days in a row. Yeah. So, yeah. You had a great not. time not going. Absolutely. Yeah. I was laughing at you all with negative 50 degrees. Yes. That would be was... Fahrenheit for our Canadians. Right. Um, Aaron, it's, the Canadian. It's that is. cold and dang cold. Yeah. Um, not swearing. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Cold and dang cold. That's a cold that's and a, dang that's cold. A line. Okay, that's right. Wow, that's right. right. But so. we'll be around books, so we'll be happy. That's true. Theology that's true. books. That there, is well. So maybe we'll be a little bit less happy. No, we'll be fine. We'll yeah. be fine. I have people who are giving me like lists of books to snatch in there. Really, it's, it's one of those where it's mm-hmm. it'll be fun. But. Now, now by snatch you mean purchase? Purchase, not no, 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 steal. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay, purchase. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a. Yeah, that's uh, good. That's good. Theology lovers, five, five finger discounts. Um, those that's a sin, you know. Just so you know, <laughs> it's a smorgasbord of right. theology books. That's true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sum that okay, one up good. right there. But uh, uh-huh. um, you know, speaking of not stealing books or buying books for friends, <laughs> is, that our, is that our segue? <laughs> that's a great segue. Andrew it's Peterson very nice. here. Yeah, yeah that's our segue. That's what it is. So you're so folks, as we introduce Andrew, you are not allowed to steal his books. You are no, allowed you to purchase them only. Them. You must buy them, and you must buy copies for friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. Well, we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Andrew Peterson, welcome. Hey, thank you very much. Good to be, good to be here. Yeah, I was glad I, to have you. I know. I, uh, listeners, I was trying to prep Andrew. I think this is a little non-traditional, this podcast. It is certainly conversational, which happens in a lot of podcasts, but we meander all over the place. But we're going to keep it on books. We may talk about some movies, well, we'll too, try. as we were chatting before. We'll try. Which is fun. But, uh, but no, for... Uh, those of you who do not know Andrew Peterson, you need to stop listening to this for just a moment, just pause, and then go to Spotify and listen to some of his mm-hmm. music. Just go ahead and do your search in there. It's yeah. fantastic songs. You probably have heard a lot of Andrew's songs um, as well, um, you know, at your church, for example. But also, yeah. he has some of the most unbelievable songwriting that we've ever heard. And Andrew and I met years ago, and Andrew is one of those where – he, that's why I, t- I remind you, Andrew. Like you probably don't remember, but I met you like multiple times. Like I don't like, think I did know. It like it like Baja Burrito. <laughs> it's always like Baja Burrito. Oh, we would like me, yes. you, you, someone else would introduce it's us. Like and, Nashville's lunchroom. No, I- exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, but it was like, oh, this is. I remember moving to Nashville. This is like 2004, and yeah, I mean that was kind of like a big hangout yeah. for a lot of people. But uh, there's still no better burritos in Nashville. It's I agree still the with top, you. Mm. Top shelf. I agree All with right. you. Yeah. But uh, but it's been fun because I remember at that time you were uh, the Behold the Lamb tour was moving to the Ryman around that time okay. right so and I remember sure. like I moved to town like huh who's this guy like and and I remember then being introduced to you I'm like mm-hmm. wow that's really cool it's a big deal to be at the Ryman yeah and uh, um, but I don't think at that point you'd written any books yet it was just mainly songwriting do you remember what course. year it would have been this is like oh four so wow. Wing Feather oh, wasn't four. yet right yeah I, I was working on. Book one. I had, okay. I had mm-hmm. at that point had the deal. I just had the book hadn't come out yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh 
But it's always fun. Like that is a that is like a very typical Nashville story. Sometimes you don't realize you're meeting someone who is in the middle of something like very beautiful and creative, and it uh, they, it just hasn't come into fruition yet. And even that was only you know five years into Behold the Lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, being at churches prior to be at the Ryman, but the reality is like God was still doing work sure. in that tour, mm-hmm. and uh, which has become its own animal in itself. But um, so I don't know. Yeah. So so part of what's been fun is so here. You know, I, I, years later, I mean, I got into publishing right about that time as well. And even though I wasn't at B and H yet, it was here I am later, and then I get to work on your book, Adorning mm-hmm. the Dark, which is why we're talking today. So Thanks, it's crazy <laughs> how that comes together. But that is very much a Nashville typical story. It's <laughs> yeah, to be nice to yeah. everybody all yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. I know. But, uh, but yeah, so Adorning the Dark we're talking about today, but we're going to talk about a bunch of things. So um, right. Andrew, share just a little bit about the book. I know it's been yeah. out for many months. I am curious in a few things I'm asking you to follow up, but for someone who's never heard about the book, give yeah. kind of like a, just a quick thing about it. Well, you know? it's, a, it's a part memoir and part mm-hmm. uh, book of advice for um, people in, the, in doing so, some kind of creative work. And um, I don't – it's hard to p- pin down. And it's been interesting, the reviews that I've gotten, and people have said the same thing, that it's a, it, the book is a few different things. Um, and on one hand, it's my story, and it's – it's uh, my story told through the lens of uh, kind of what's going on in my, in my heart during the story. So it's not just the facts. It's kind of like, here's what it feels like to have gone through these these certain things. And I don't mean like tragedies. I mean like going through the process of making an album, um, which ought to be all joy and fun, right? But it's also, <laughs> for a lot of us, really scary and hard work and uh, kind of the peril of putting your heart out there yeah. and mm-hmm. entering into you know, staring at the, the terror of a blank page, that kind of thing. So the book was partly written with that in mind to encourage people um, um, to kind of help them know they're not alone. If if you're a pastor and you're struggling with, you know, the sermon that you got to come up with for next Sunday or you're a mom and you've, you're struggling with figuring out how to uh, how to sh- um, shepherd your kid, mom or dad, who's like teaching their kids at home how to do that. And you, you feel like there's there's so many possibilities. How do I narrow it all down? What do I do? Is this work that I'm doing, is it worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that most of us have some voice like that in our head, no matter what our job is. Mm-hmm. And I think that what it boils down to is that um, creative creativity is much broader than sometimes we give it credit for that the arts specifically only make a small up a small slice of that pie and that if creativity in the broad sense is a way of pushing back at the darkness then i think that means that there is uh the enemy doesn't want you to do these things doesn't want you to shed light in these ways and so the book is meant to kind of encourage and uh commiserate with people Mm -hmm. who are in that work but also um it's you know i've got uh, lived a little bit of life and enough to have some opinions about some things. And so that's, that's the other part of the book. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah it's, a uh, uh, you know, when I knew you were writing this, I, um, I didn't know much about your writing process in general. So in my head, I just thought like, okay, you know, Andrew goes off in the woods and writes everything. And then he comes <laughs> back and it's this beautiful thing. Look mm-hmm. at this song I, I found know. under this tree. Right, right. And uh, until I started kind of quizzing you and I was thinking, okay, I guess kind of start with like the Wingfeather saga. I thought like with a fantasy beautiful story like that, I just imagine, yeah, you're literally writing that in some beautiful place surrounded by books or – you are, I don't know, yeah, literally in the woods. Mm-hmm. But tell us about that first. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was writing it at a coffee shop down the road from my house, or uh, in bed when my wife was asleep, uh, or on the tour bus when uh, you know after a gig. So it was very much you know, you, especially your first book, you just, you got no real excuses. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing Anne Lamott uh, at a thing, and she was talking about how she was like, "Stop making excuses about." not writing your first book she was like when i wrote my first book i was a single mom with a drug addict a drug addiction mm-hmm. and uh and still managed to get my first manuscript written so like you got no excuses she said the best thing you can do is to stop not writing your first book and i love that stop mm-hmm. not doing it um but that's the thing is like at the time i didn't know if it was going to turn into any part of my career really mm-hmm. i just had this deep i have had since i was a little boy the mm-hmm. desire to to know what it's like to tell a big fantasy adventure story and so yeah i was just like um cobbling together time wherever i could which ultimately um led to telling my wife that i wasn't going to watch lost with her anymore and so were you like in the middle of the series yeah we just i mean that's kind (laughs) of a a little bit of a a, um a catch-all for i'm gonna have to give up some things yeah Mm -hmm. um that's a tough one to give up on like the time that i have is between you know, after the kids are in bed and before I go to bed mm-hmm. and I need an hour like mm-hmm. to go do this crazy thing that probably won't make us any money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it turns out it, it helps, you know, but that but we don't you don't know that on the, <laughs> at the beginning, right. especially with a f- first draft manuscript before you even have talked to a publisher, you know, yeah, it's a, ma- yeah. a massive amount of faith yeah. and fear going into mm-hmm. that. And so, um, yeah, when people tell me that they're they want to write a book, but they that you don't have the time, yeah. I usually counter with what is the thing you have to give up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing with a lot of things. If something is important to you, you're going to make the time, right? Yeah. Like you have to. Yeah. To you, some degree. But the, and the point is you, know, you got to sacrifice something yeah. to get it. So uh, yeah. I remember yeah, interviewing you know, Scarlett Hildebeidel and KB Hoyle. And like the reality is they're bombs of, you know, they got, they got young kids. five kids, am I right? Four, Four or five, five you know, like but, but yeah. you know, and Scarlet, you know, has, has, has a bunch of kids as well and think like, when they go to bed, so you're writing till one, two in right. the morning. That's yeah, just you just what, don't sleep. What you have to deal with, yeah. yeah. Most people think, oh, it's this beautiful experience, go off into the cabin all the time and do that, but that's not. It just, it's, it's yeah. I, I so I built a, uh, this like writing cabin on my yeah. property. You've been there, and uh, it's like a dream, <laughs> it's cool. right? It's, it's cool. a dream. It is, yeah. and it's still just as hard to do the work as it was right. before I built the thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you think that if only I had this place, um, and I've got the place, and I love it. I'm so thankful for it. Um, but I've to- told my wife this month that I have had such a hard time getting anything done because I go out there and I still feel just as much of that, like something sitting on my chest to keep me from getting up and doing the thing I want to do it. Um, so it's still a matter of the will, mm-hmm. no matter what your situation is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. What, what's been the biggest difference between writing songs versus books? Um, with, uh, with books, you have a lot more time to question your sanity because you, you nobody reads it until, I mean, it's like a year before, at least mm-hmm. before the first draft is finished. And you talk about it with people. You may let people see little bits of it, but you may may be completely yeah. off on what you're trying to do for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. I remember Michael Shabon. Do you know who that yeah. is? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he's a great writer. And uh, he wrote um, The Yiddish Policeman's Union, which I have not read yet. I'm dying to read it. Mm-hmm. I've read a few of his other books. But The Yiddish Policeman's Union, and he wrote it and realized, it, I think it was a 400,000-word manuscript. 
and realized that it, he, he needed to change the the uh, it's a present tense or whatever the, the like he changed the entire voice of the book after he had finished 400,000 words and went back and rewrote it. So that's mm-hmm. like a four year, mm-hmm. four year deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I think that like, that's, that's the thing is writing has the, there's a way more chance of you doing a whole lot of work that ends up being for quote unquote, nothing. Yeah. I yes. don't think any of it's yeah. lost, but with yeah. a song you can, I, like last night, I was, part of the reason I'm tired is I was up till about one thirty working on a lyric. And so, I was able to text that lyric at bedtime to my buddy Ben and say, hey, what do you think about this lyric? And then get a text from him in the morning. So you, you there's these little short, punchy affirmations when you're songwriting yeah. um, that, that you just can't get when you're writing a book. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. It's been a few months since the Dorian that I published. What has... Well, I guess what you expect to the process and what surprised you the most in terms of like people on the outside who have oh, no yeah. interaction with you now reading it and having the experience. Because we can see... These reviews in real time or mm-hmm. people telling you in person. Yeah. Massive relief. Like, I've, I've <laughs> me- never been so nervous about a thing that I made coming out. Like, really? Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. why is because that? Because you're just a lot more naked with, mm-hmm. with a memoir. Like, okay. Um, it's like, you know, if somebody doesn't like my songs, I feel like what they don't like is my songs. But if somebody doesn't like my memoir, what I feel like is they don't like me. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it feels like a different deal because because this is as as the most I've ever most explicitly soul bearing thing that I've ever done. Yeah. Like because songwriting, yes, I'm I'm you're opening a vein and you're exposing your yourself in many ways. But you're it's still a song. There's still like a, a weird little a veil between you and the listener because mm-hmm. you can kind of like walk around it and it's the subjective thing. Whereas the memoir, it was, uh, you know, the whole book grew out of my journals. And so it started as this, like, really intimate thing that I was like, man, if people don't like this, it's going to be a lot harder to blow it off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you say your journals, so, like, when you're writing about Behold the Lamb tour, mm-hmm. so are you going back to journals, like, well, 15 years ago? Well, certain 20, chapters okay. were, yeah. were not journal entries. Okay. Certain chapters were. Does okay. that make sense? So yeah, the, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the idea sure. for the book, yeah. all of the sections about – like prayers that I was writing or yeah. um, the uh, the second guessing. the mm-hmm. That's that's like me working out in real time. It's an edited version of it, mm-hmm. but it's me working out in real time yeah. the the what's going on in my head and heart when I'm working on a song yeah. or yeah. whatever. And so wh- my hunch was, and this is a Beekner principle, wh- is that the story of one of us in some measure is the story of us all. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's something that I've – like a philosophy that I've written songs and done concerts under for most of my career. And so I'm, I was like, okay, so if that's true, then I can share this journal entry about mm-hmm. how scary this thing is and cast it out into the void. And hopefully, you know, I'll feel a tug on the line and there will be people saying, I know how that feels. And mm-hmm. so what I wanted was to, to help them know that they were not alone. But by doing so, I was exposing myself to the possibility that I am alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so it was, it was pretty scary. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it, it, you're right. It's not like, I mean, Wing Feather Saga at the end of the day, it's a, it's a series. It's a series in your head and it's a story that you're trying to take people on. But, uh, and there's a lot of my not, heart in that book. But yeah. It's also not, 
yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. This is fiction versus nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever asked you, what's been, what was the editing process like? I haven't even asked Devin that same thing, too, because <laughs> because editing your, like your own story has got to be bizarre. Uh, yeah. I had written 90% of the book ahead of time. So I turned in a, more or less what you what the book is. It was there was a like a lot of like tightening of the screws that was happening. Okay. And and Devin had a few chapter suggestions, like yeah. uh one of which is is one of the ones that people say is their favorite chapter in the book. So the practical one? No, or no, it's, okay, it's the good. one about the okay. uh about the Warren, about the one yeah. about the property mm, and yeah. me building the stone arch and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh that was I, it was just a blind spot that I had. I didn't think people would think mm-hmm. that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And Devin was like, I really, you talk about place so much. You should write yeah. about your place. And yeah. so yeah. it turns out that's the chapter that has resonated with people the most. Yeah. He's no, a good editor. Yes, he yes. is. Yeah. Um, community has been a theme of your life. No doubt that shaped you. And that's the Behold the Lamb tour to yeah. artists that you're constantly promoting. So in the process of writing the book, are you thinking about that group of people as you're creating it? Or are you just kind of wait and see and then get it in front of them at the right time? How's that work? Like as far as letting them read the yeah. what's in the book? Yeah. Um, the funny thing about books is a lot of times your friends don't read the book. Yeah. And it stinks. It's <laughs> yeah. painful. Like you, you kind of feel like I worked really hard on this. I would read your book if you wrote a book, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I look at my shelf and I realize, uh-oh, I got, I got a lot of friends that have written books that I haven't gotten to yet. Call Black. So yeah. yeah, yeah you kind of have to be like, yeah, too. Okay. They all are. Totally. Yeah. And right. books are funny. Like you uh. just got to you got to come to a book at the right time. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that, that I hope that they read these books. One, and I have gotten a lot of great feedback from people who are in the books but really the the there's a long list of people and that was one of the points of the community chapter was that like you know it's a village that we're all living in here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh it's hard to isolate any one success um without acknowledging all of the people who really are the reason that it worked does that make sense and i don't even mean from just a marketing standpoint my friend Dave, but like also like the, <laughs> the, the people who forgave you when yeah. you needed forgiveness yeah. and uh, yeah. the people you go to church with who remind you of the truth of the gospel, like all of those people are, are as important to the writing of a book as the editor and the marketer. Are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that was really helpful for me the last time I was in a giant writing phase was actually um, a friend of mine from my small group just saying, I know that this book is going to be great, but I really hate it right now. Mm-hmm. Basically, because it was drawing so much time and pulling me away from so many different things. He's like, mm. I- I'm really looking forward to you being done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that sure. was that was a, just a helpful thing. Yeah, that, right. You know, that it's like. That's good. Keeps hard. Keep yeah, it's, priority, it's, right? It so. does. It, cu- it keeps your priorities right. And, and the. F- like a lot of times your friends will tell you the truth in love. They don't always, <laughs> but sometimes it's like uh, they're not. That's one of the things I don't like. I, I tell people to be careful when it comes to like writing groups mm-hmm. where you, everybody's sharing their work. Yeah. Because if somebody doesn't like something that I share there, either one of two things happens. One is that I am so wounded because they, they're, they're not being careful with me. Mm-hmm. With, you know, our hearts are tender. Or I think, what do you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you kind of your defenses are up. So so I think that like you got to be choosy with who you let read the first draft of your book and like we're walking because it's a it's a there's some pitfalls there, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's the community was a big part of the yeah. whole story, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um 
So when you're writing it, are you thinking, oh gosh, like I've read, you know, um, Stephen King's on writing, all these other like writers' memoirs of, mm-hmm. of like how to do it. Like, do you have that in your head? And you yeah. mentioned Anne Lamott as well. Her, you know, it, so yeah, sure, yeah. I was I was terrified. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, like, I I found some comfort in the fact that nobody's necessarily coming at it from the same angle that I am. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like uh, as much as I love Anne Lamott's writing, I'm a better songwriter, and um. <laughs> <laughs> It's so having that's a, the most arrogant I've ever seen you by the way it's because so, she does the, it, body, like, the body language is great any, anybody is a better songwriter than someone who doesn't write songs you know yeah. any songwriter is better so Fair. That, that's my point is that like there's I knew a lot of books on writing but not many that dealt with songwriting yeah you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and so and the cross disciplinary thing like so yeah. which which was part of what I was like I want to write a book that is good for people no matter what discipline they're in because mm-hmm. I really think – because you can go to the Barnes & Noble and see a whole shelf of books on writing, but not many that cover – they go one level deeper than that and go, what about creativity in general, specifically from a Christian perspective? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I was like – I don't – I can't think – like I'm sure there are other books like this out there, but I couldn't think of any that were quite like what I was doing. So yeah. – Yes, I had those voices in my head, but mainly in the sense that, like, I want this to be helpful to people in the same way that on writing was to me and yeah. bird by bird was to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. when I've read all of them, I've, I've read them all very differently, different points of life, but mm-hmm. I think they've yeah. all been wonderful. But uh, totally. you also, they're all very personal to those people. And I think right. that's, that's why it's hard to compare. I don't yeah. they, they're structured right. differently, everything. Yeah. Stephen King offers a, an entryway to how he would edit something, how he would sure. craft something, along with, then it's like, how does he structure his morning? What are his goals? Yeah, you know, yeah, all those yeah. things. And uh, um, Steve Martin's uh, Born Standing Up. Have you read that yet? Yes. yes. It's yeah. so good. good. Yeah. It's so, so good. good. <laughs> like that was really helpful to me from a from an endurance standpoint. Like mm-hmm. watching how many years it took him yeah. of tweaking what he was doing before he like had the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. It's so good for an art. Like in the, it's not like the breakthrough is what matters, but just like be patient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You might just need to work at this for a long time and be content with it. Right. Yeah. And uh, and one day, you know, your platform may get a little bigger, but that isn't the point, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. felt like his book affirmed that for me. Yeah. My impression of you, and I have heard you say this, so it's some credit, but uh, you seem to be writing for the long game of life. I mean, that's that's you've said that a lot in the book about just like looking at your perspective as an artist. But like, does that does that produce any tension, or is it just kind of the way you've looked at life and say, hey, listen, I don't feel this need to like make this huge stamp or this one particular book, but more look at and say, this is a piece of a long writing career. And, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I there's a, th- I've been thinking a lot about, there's a, a little anecdote in the book about me tunneling through a pile of snow when I was a little boy. And, uh, on the, I lived in Illinois and on the way home from, from school, one of the front yards, somebody had like piled up a bunch of sn- snow off their driveway. And, uh, and for whatever reason, you know how you have a like a childhood is full of stuff, but I only remember a few things from it. And this mm-hmm. f- is one that is like stuck around and I've yeah. never really known why. And I remember as a little boy walking home from school and digging a little bit of a tunnel. And then the next day I would dig a little bit more of the tunnel and then dig a, and it took about a week, but I eventually like tunneled through the pile of snow, came out on the other side and I glanced up and saw that like the lady in the house had been watching me. And I think that she just got must have gotten the biggest kick out of this kid, like in her front yard every day, having these little, little this little project that he was working on. And I remember once I finished the tunnel, I was done. 
Yeah. I was like, I went home and I never yeah. went back to never, like I passed her yard or whatever. She might have like not, you know, shoveled the snow away because she was letting me do it. But I've thought of that from a songwriting standpoint, a book writing. Like I have this weird tendency to like get a charge out of going like mm -hmm. the end game is over there somewhere and I'm just going to like whittle away at this thing for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I have tended to think of my career that way. Like mm -hmm. I'm tunneling through some snow mm -hmm. and I'm going to be 65 or whatever. And there's going to be a day when I'm like, who that was tiring. I think I need to be done now. And so, but on a smaller scale, like there's the books that are like that and the, mm -hmm. the, um, albums that are like that the rabbit room is like these these little projects that i kind of like latch mm -hmm. onto, and i feel like i'm just totally content to just like whittle away at them yeah over a long period of time and yeah and uh see what happens so anyway that probably wasn't the most interesting story i've ever told but um that, no, that's what no. i'm thinking about a lot lately well, it's more it's more exciting than most of the stories that i tell so <laughs> we're just fine this, here there, one time there was some snow <laughs> well and i went you through know, it you know, I grew uh, up with well, a lot of snow, <laughs> and, <laughs> but and it, was, that, it was cold. Yeah, he, like, started, he, like, perked up for a second. Oh, you said snow. 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 Me. Yeah. Now, but now I'm, I'm in between <laughs> this book and the next book, whatever yeah. that is going to be, yeah. Or yeah. In, and the next record. I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I feel like I've just tunneled through some snow, and I'm kind of going, what do I do next now? Yeah. What's the next yeah. thing? Well, I think, you know in the instantaneous society we're in, I, I know there's people out there contemplating, oh, I really got to write this book. And they want it to be like the one thing that's going to make the biggest impact. And yeah. I don't know about you, I keep finding books that were written 20, 30, 50 years ago, perhaps, you know, older, and they're having a tremendous impact on my yeah, life. And I wonder, right. like, does that writer know that, like, mm -hmm. someone's picking this up for the first time now? Right. Um, so, that's why I well, love yeah. books. Yeah. Well, they don't age. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, sometimes, unfortunately, especially <laughs> well, yeah, if they've got yeah. statistics. Uh, compared um, to music. It, yeah, yeah, that's say. true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm terrified. Like, there's a degree to which I'm terrified of people picking up some of the, the first stuff that I Ooh, wrote. Yeah, that is and a scary thought. Just because yeah. very stat heavy, mm -hmm. very, very in a time and place. And it's like, and also, I'm just a better writer than I am now mm -hmm. uh, or sure. than I was then. Yes, that's what makes sense. I don't. I also don't talk very well, apparently. <laughs> no, you're great. Um, <laughs> the, the uh, you know George Herbert. I talk about him in in the book. Yeah, that he's one of the most beloved Christian poets, but he wasn't published until after he was dead. Uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins was that way. There's there's plenty of people who are doing really good work that. Mm -hmm. That it's, it was like they just had to have reached a point where they're like, it's not my business whether or not this influences someone. Yeah. I'm being obedient and I'm going to do the work God's called me to do. And yeah. maybe after I'm dead, maybe not, you know. But like it goes back to I've been saying this a lot lately, but like if ambition is what's driving you, then it, there's a poison in it, you know. And so ideally, like my next book, I'm going to be writing. I mean, this book was that way to a point. Like I, I was trying really hard to tell a story to a person, right? And sure, you hope that a lot of people are influenced by the thing, but ultimately, you're just like, I want this to be helpful to someone. Yeah. And um, the rest of it's God's business. Yeah. yeah. I like that. You know, uh, even though I, I, I feel like this is a whole podcast in itself, talking mm -hmm. about Tolkien, Lewis, and so on, but like you, you mentioned a lot of other writers that you've loved throughout time, and we've even talked about some of them, but are there ones that would surprise us? Just saying like, well, mm. I didn't know Andrew loved this author or <laughs> this genre. Like, yeah, what, what's going yeah. on behind the scenes that we sure. don't know about? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a soft spot for um, scary stuff. 
Okay. Mm, yeah. I, I really love being scared. I, I've, so I've, like Stephen King type I, well, stuff? Well, when I was a kid, I read a lot of Stephen King, okay. and I do not recommend that anymore. No. Like, it was bad yeah. for me. And so, like, scary, like, Amish romance? <laughs> Terrifying <laughs> Amish romance. No, I like I like British, old, like, old British ghost stories. Okay, very cool. Nice. Yeah, and I, I think that there's a theological case to be made for why it's it's actually, depending on the, the who's reading them. Yeah. Good for you. Um and by old, how old? Uh, like Victorian. There's, okay. That that era is my favorite. But there are yeah. a lot of stories that are written in that spirit that yeah. aren't strictly Victorian. It would be like the movie The Others fit in that category. Yeah, They're sure. Set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But right. like typically mm-hmm. in Victorian ghost stories, like the, the Enlightenment was fresh. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole lot of materialism going around. So the stories, were, a lot of Christians wrote, like Dickens, Christmas yeah. Carol qualifies as like a way to push back and say, actually the world's more full of mystery than you're giving it credit for. Yeah. And, uh, I did a Hutchmoot talk on, on a theology of ghost stories a while ago. um, Nice. That was a fun excuse to dig into. Yeah. Um, the fact that there is a tradition of, of Christians who are, you know, one of my favorite little nuggets about ghost stories is that when Jesus is walking on water and they think that he's a ghost, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't say no. Silly ghosts aren't real. He says no. I'm not a ghost. It's just me. It's which which, tells yeah. you, there which, are which implies yeah. that maybe there are, and also it tells you that like even back then, ghost stories were a thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which yeah. I think is so interesting. And I just, my brother and I both have this tendency to hope that Bigfoot is real. Like I like. <laughs> I don't, I don't, but like, but wouldn't wouldn't you rather live in a world where there was a Loch Ness monster and there was a Bigfoot that was like nobody had found yet or the possibility of aliens? Like, I just want the world to be full of wonder and and surprises. Mm -hmm. And, and like, one of the things that I love about reading old stories is that I think people had this sense that they didn't know everything yet, Mm -hmm. where now I feel like we kind of have this arrogant feeling that like, well, we've plumbed the depths of what there is to know on earth and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, please let there be some dinosaurs in some jungle mm, somewhere. Yeah. Well, I've got some good news <laughs> for you. Bigfoot's real and he lives in Wetaskiwin, Alberta. Okay. I saw the video. <laughs> Did you see the video this past week? Yeah. <laughs> Was like, it has to be a hoax. Oh, oh almost certainly. But yeah. it's, a, but but it's, it's great. a great video. Yeah. So uh, much Whoever fun. did it, kudos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, that may surprise you. I don't know if that's surprising to you, but. No, not at all. No, I, 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 it's funny. I just finished a book, Beyond the Known, uh, how exploration created the modern world and how it'll take us to the stars. And it's that same thing. Our fascination as human beings of just discovering the unknown, whatever yeah. that may be. And mm-hmm. so he, he talks about, of course, the history of it. He's, he, he's a NASA scientist. So he's looking at it from that of how right. we got here, but also like, what does the next hundred years look like? And why should we not stop pursuing these things? And uh-huh. I think a lot of it's like, yeah, who knows? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. We, we only know, you know, uh, you know, a quarter of a half percent to whatever, you know, right. it may be what's right. out there. So it's uh, one of my cool. favorite little. And so and I don't want to get too much yeah. on ghosts and aliens um, because there, there are <laughs> oh, please do. There are like re- listeners out there who are probably going like he the ghost stories are evil, whatever. So we could talk about that. If you find me, we can we can get into it. So uh, understand that I, I do think about it theologically of like whether or not something is is edifying. But uh, but one of my favorite. Stories about my wife and I that really illustrates Jamie and and me, like how mm-hmm. we're made. Is like I want the thing to be real. I want there to if there's a ghost in the house. I'm like, let's go. I want to yeah. see. Um, and so uh, my wife is like, uh-uh. like she doesn't want to swim in the ocean because of yeah. Jaws, right? Yeah, so right. Jamie's the one who's like doesn't want to mess with the unknown. Sure. She can't stand it. Yeah. We were driving on a road trip one night on this foggy night on the interstate, and there was a, a UFO next to the 
to the interstate, yeah. like a flying saucer hovering above. Yeah. And I, it was jaw-dropping. We both gasped. Mm-hmm. And I yanked the car over to the side of the road and was like, what is that? And uh, she was going, go, go. She was yelling at me to go. And I was like, no, there's a flying saucer. She's like, I know there's a flying saucer. And then like Augusta went and we realized it was just a water tower next to the interstate uh, in the fog. But like to- we both were so convinced that like my instinct was to pull over because I'm going in. If they're going to like kidnap somebody, I'm first in line. Man. You're like Richard Dreyfuss. Like, yeah, come on, totally. take me. Like, yeah, I want to wow. know what's, okay. out, what's out there. Wow. So nice. anyway, I so it. I feel that way about stories in general. Like there's this right. like little boy curiosity that I I want to keep alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Roll right. with that for a second. So you spent a lot of time in Sweden with, you know, yeah. you know, old family that are there, right? But also like, are there any kind of like different uh, mythologies that, I mean, there's Norse mythology in general, yeah. but like things like that that come about? There are like, uh, one of the things that I love is that there are a lot of troll stories in Sweden and Scandinavia in general. <laughs> nice. Uh, but there's a, there's a legend, there's a lake there called uh, Vetten and it's got an island in the middle of the lake. And the legend is that the island got there because a troll on one side of the lake wanted to g- cross the lake to visit a troll on the other side. Yeah. So he hurled a big boulder and it was the stepping stone. So <laughs> it's kind of like the giant's causeway or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, like, obviously, yeah. this stuff isn't real, but it adds this, like, element yeah. of wonder to your day-to-day life that yeah. I don't think uh, – that I, I, I just love. And so it, most stories, of, like, when I'm looking at my bookshelves – um, and Tolkien and Lewis are great at it, yeah. um, calling on this like this age where the world was full of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I, and thanks for sharing about like the genres because I'm always <laughs> I'm, I'm not yeah. surprised, but I'm also uh, like it's just fun. Oh, it's to so see. fun. It's Everyone so has fun. candy. Isn't yeah. what is it? Yeah, and like yeah. sometimes like I can't believe he writes about all these wonderful things about God. Whatever, but like. Look, yeah, everybody, everybody needs something. Yeah. And, you know. and Murder Mysteries is my other one. That yeah. I'm like, I also think there's a good theological case for why mm-hmm. these are good for you. Um, sure. I had a great conversation yeah. with Albert, Al Mulder about yeah. Murder Mysteries. That's one of his, <laughs> like, uh, his candy, too. Um, and Eugene Peterson is a big murder mystery guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I am I feel like I've got some some people to lean on if people call me on it. But I, I no, love – that's what I – like at Christmas yeah, time – can you tell my pastor's kid that I'm really worried about being yeah, judged? Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> typically when the Christmas tour is over, I go straight for some great crime. Yeah. Nice. Crime You've novel. got to escape. Nice. Yeah, in that, in that mm-hmm. way. All right. It's just wonderful. So related to crime – so crime, murder, mysteries, not a book – but a but a movie. Did you see Knives Out? I loved Knives it Out. It was so good. So good. So yeah. good. And goes back to the thing. Like uh, yeah. it's edifying. Yeah. Like there it is telling the truth about um meekness and humility mm-hmm. and pride and greed in, a, in an amazing way. Oh, it's absolutely. Great yeah. There's a ton there. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are like the tenth people to mention that maybe you last have week to, to watch me. That. So <laughs> I, I just wrote it down. I'm like, it's yeah, so good. See it. All right, this knife. is the Lord bringing conviction. Not, not knives out in <laughs> 1917. That will be done in the next good. week. All that's right, good. that's so good. So we get a report back in. Okay. All yes, right. please. So funny. Yes, please. All right. I, well, next up, tell me, tell me about this 2020 with the Wing Feather Saga. I want to share a little oh, what's man. going on. Ooh. Super fun. Yeah. The uh, so Random House Penguin Random House is the yeah. parent company uh, that owned the the publisher that 
published the first two of the Wing Feather books. And uh, the books did well enough to where they are taking them all on and re-releasing them in a special edition hardback and and kind of giving them their big launch. So I, that's it is cool. super exciting. Like, you know, your dream when you write a book is that there will be a special edition hardback. Yeah. And they came out in paperback the first time. And so this is the, and so we have all new covers, all new illustrations on the inside. Mm. And I just have this, it's, it's like, uh, you know, my, my, my hope for these books was that people who, uh, it wouldn't just be like the Christian world that read them. I, yeah. I want I want them to be read yeah. by other people. Yeah, like I, I, I'm a gardener, so the idea of planting seeds is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And so the story is ultimately a resurrection story. Mm-hmm. Um, little nugget for to make you wonder if you have not read the books, um, but it's a you know big four book fantasy adventure that is um, was written at every turn. I was asking myself what would 12-year-old Andrew most be surprised by right now, right? What would I most want the little kid in me to find? Mm-hmm. So I was just like writing the biggest, grandest uh, adventure story I could possibly think to write. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and also thinking, I, I've been writing songs long enough to know that like if I give the Holy Spirit some freedom to guide the story, mm-hmm. then, uh, then I think that his truth is going to be on full display. And so my favorite... I think my favorite thing about these books has been as an author being surprised by um, moments that were better than I could write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that it's, it's not like the whole book is that way. There are a few moments where I'm like, wow, I can't, I never would have guessed that that would have, that loose end would have tied up in that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and praise God that it, it worked out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. March, the first two come out, correct? Yep. March 2020. Yep. Great. And then this fall, the second two come out. And then there's two, in 2021, there's a book called Cre- uh, Pembroke's Creaturepedia, which is like an encyclopedia of the creatures in the book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Wingfeather Tales, which is a yeah. collection of short stories by a bunch of author friends here in yeah. town. Nice. Yeah, which yeah. is great. Nice. Well, so, yeah, cool. there's this whole like ramp of stuff coming up. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, I'm excited and a little bit like, oh my goodness, it's going to be a crazy year. So, oh, yeah. but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, we... Uh, I think I've told you one of the other times that we've we've talked in with microphones in our faces that uh, <laughs> that we have that I mean my kids loved the wing feather books oh, they, I'm so glad. yeah they uh, my middle daughter Hannah she ugly cried um, during the last one <laughs> oh yeah but weird. adored it and she goes That's back amazing. to it and keeps reading reading them again and again and again so um, wonderful thank you, you I just got a, the best letter and fan mail thing in the, yesterday. From a family who named their uh, baby Artham, nice. Which is Pete the Sockman's middle name yep. or first name, and uh, I, I was like, "There's an," and I invented that name, like it's a completely made up name. And there's a there's a Janner out there, uh, which I've seen that name before, but yeah. I thought I invented it. But Artham really was invented by me. And so, I, like knowing that there's a birth certificate out there with the they send me a little <laughs> picture of the kid. I'm like, "Oh, the little guy. He has no idea how hard his life's going to be." Um, anyway, nice. pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so we are uh, getting close to the end of our time together because I know um, you have a very busy busy schedule. Dave has very important things to do. Do I? Uh, okay. I hope so. All right, I hope so. And then I'm just me. But uh, <laughs> but we got a couple of things we got to do before we wrap up here. So first and probably most important is the Jack Reacher Sucker Punch of the Week. So <laughs> as our special guest, you have the honor of uh, telling us who you would cathartically 
hit right in the face. In the face? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's straight up face. Man, it's, I, it's, I, it's, yeah. it's straight it's, on violence. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could go, I mean, you could go a little more biblical and be like, you know, if you were turning over tables in the temple. Yeah. 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 yeah there you go. Whose tables would yeah. I want to turn over? Who would you, yeah. who would you? So from a storytelling standpoint, um, I, I would, I would probably say JJ Abrams. Mm. Ooh, that's so. Um, Star Wars had an effect on you, did not it? Not Star Wars as much as Lost. <laughs> okay, Lost was was Ooh. was uh, profoundly offensive to me in the way that it all ended. Um, <laughs> is that his fault, or is that? Uh, I, I mean, mean, the book's got to stop somewhere. Oh, wow. Okay, like it just kind of does. And he's he's not always wrong. Like yeah. I loved Super Eight. I loved mm-hmm. yeah. some of the Cloverfield stuff. Was, yes, is good, but like. Bless his heart, like it's hard to make a movie. So it's yeah. easy to to not have made a movie and to stand back and be like, seriously. But his mystery box theory of, of filmmaking, do you know about this? Like yes. he, he did a TED talk on it. Yeah. Which I've heard about where he talks about how like the, the the mystery box is the most important thing. It doesn't really matter what's in the box. What matters is that, that there's a mystery, which I think that there's a lot of like I have some deep held beliefs about how stories work and that you have to earn the ending like yes. a good ending covers o- over a multitude of sins and uh, and so that's part of why shows like breaking bad are so powerful is that the ending is really really strong yeah. um and lord of the rings is that way the narnia books are that way yeah. so so if you don't nail the the ending then it's just, so going into a, a big story and being like oh well the ending's going to be fine it's going to work itself out whatever whatever doesn't really matter and and lost i felt like that it mm-hmm. broke every rule to me. I felt lied to for five years, and so I. I uh, and that wow. said, the like I had given up hope that Star Wars was going to be any good. The ending of it, yeah. And, yeah, and it wasn't, and I don't care. Yeah. Right, I'm moving yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that that's like right. whatever. Uh, yeah. They they blew it, and there's more stories to be written. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and there um, will. That's the at least that's the good news. Maybe <laughs> that could be bad. I don't know. Yeah, it could be I would bad. be like I want to be like like JJ. I really I really think that he's yeah. r- really great. Like Star Trek was so good. He has it in him to be great but yeah man the ending of a story is huge mm-hmm. it's like I, arguably the story itself you know yeah. and so i want him to figure that out so if i if just like flipping over some tables and then uh, and then uh, having coffee with him that's what i would want to do i don't really want to punch anybody you could slap him <laughs> while you have coffee <laughs> like first uh, how dare you yeah I and mean, then <laughs> i would rather punch we, myself than we, him. Yeah. we've had multiple people who have sugar punched uh, malcolm gladwell for example oh, yeah. but malcolm, malcolm we'd love to have you on though yeah absolutely <laughs> we'd absolutely we will not show. slap you <laughs> no no we, oh, have really, yeah, we love you yeah we do. that's funny exactly. i mean we other would, than like hitler and stalin i can't think of anybody yeah. who had really want to punch no, you yeah. Know? no i get that yeah. i get yeah. that Cool. <laughs> nice. Oh, well. yeah. Nice. All right. So last thing is um, just a quick round yeah. the round the table on what we're reading. Yeah. Okay. So. I already did mine. So okay. That was mine. There we go. No, yeah. No, 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 uh, so, yeah. Well, I just finished the uh, the Lions Gate, which you gave me, Dave. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, and uh, I really it, it was really thrilling to read that book. Mm. Uh, but I'm I'm now reading a book called Cider with Rosie by somebody named Lori Lee, who is uh, lived in the Cotswolds in. Yeah. Uh, maybe <laughs> 40s, something like that. And Is my, that where you enjoyed hiking? I know you're in Lake District yeah, as well, but I feel just like kind of okay. the whole island yeah. I'm, I'm in love with. And, uh, you don't discriminate walking yeah, paths in yeah, England, do you? If there's footpaths, okay. nice. I'm in. Okay. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm reading that right now. Yeah. It's just a memoir about his childhood in England, and it is just crackling with creativity. Yeah. It's such a well-written book. My brother and his wife loved it and recommended it, and they, mm. they're they better writers than me by a long shot, so I always listen mm. when they tell me to read something. That's great. Nice. Very cool. Nice. Well, um, I just I just finished 
Uh, English History Made Brief, Irreverent, and Pleasurable by Lacey Baldwin-Smith. Nice. It was great fun. It was very interesting to just kind of get a picture of, of some of the dynamics. and So complicated. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And to do, be able to do it in, in a tight space mm-hmm. was like there's – Tons of stuff that's left out. Yeah, but it was, but it was, it was super fun, and I should be finished by now. Um, Craig Johnson's first Longmire book, uh, The Cold Dish. Yeah. So it's been my bedtime read. What it's kind so of book fun. is that? Way? It's uh, it's murder mystery. Okay. Um, murder mystery slash sort of western. Yeah. Oh, that sounds. Yeah. Fun. Did, did we yeah. talk about that with with Asinga? Uh, yeah, he came we in and talked westerns. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, it was yeah. fun. Loves him some yeah. westerns. Yeah. So yeah. I, mean, I, we, I read Lonesome Dove after that. Finally, <gasps> he fell asleep in Lonesome Dove. For the record, I, I'm I'm on page 53. Oh my now. gosh, he's still on page. I don't 53. know if we can be friends anymore. <laughs> Lonesome Dove is one of the great novels in America. <laughs> I'm gonna try. Uh, no joke. Because I need to earn back your friendship. You do. You well, do. I'm, he's, he's Canadian, so don't worry. Sorry. Just, just let's yeah, just let him be. Yeah, but Canada Sorry. is America. <laughs> It's not the United States, but oh, you're in North that's America. That's true. That's true. I'm in North I'm, I'm America. Speaking generally, that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, but it is a, an amazing. <laughs> we just named. We just got a new dog and named him Gus McRae. Nice. Yeah. So nice. I remember. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, maybe it's I'll bring it to uh, to the snowy lands of Minneapolis yes. with me. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a bizarre place to read that book, but sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Know. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, all right, so um, Andrew, thank you for yeah, joining us. This you. was yeah, a lot of thanks. fun. Um, mm-hmm. And also, by the way, I forgot to mention, thank you for being, I think, the first person to ever put in a book published by B&H a reference to Foundations of Wayne and Pink Floyd. Oh, Fountains well of done. Wayne. Yeah, 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 Fountains of Wayne and Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Extreme and Tesla? Come on. Yeah, I mean, it was great. Yeah, thanks. I, I had so much fun with the Extreme <laughs> one, so... <laughs> It was great. So so, so thank you for that. Uh, Dave, thanks for hanging out as always. You, I, I more, miss more you when we're out around. More to come this week. That's right. It's going to be a fun week in the tundra. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an Area Code podcast.